Welcome to the Down the Drive podcast. I am your host, Mike Schneid. Actually, I'm not. I am your host, Scotty Whitehouse. Unfortunately, Mike is unable to be here tonight, so I am taking over. Folks, buckle up. It's going to be a fun ride. Make sure to follow Down the Drive on Twitter, at Down the Drive, and on Instagram. And if you haven't already, subscribe to iTunes and Spotify or wherever you listen to this podcast. Just make sure you click that subscribe button so you are first to know when we upload a new podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, at Scooter Booms. That's S-C-O-O-T-E-R-B-O-O-M-S. On this episode, we will do a quick preview of the Paradise Jam talk a little women's basketball and women's volleyball, and then look at the Saturday night game against Temple for our 9-1 Bearcat football team. With it also being senior night, we will take a look at some of the prime seniors that are leaving us and reminisce a little bit on what they brought to this teams and some of my favorite memories. But we start down in St. Thomas as the UC men's basketball squad goes down to play in this Paradise Jam against Illinois State. Game time is 5.45 if you're listening to this on Friday. Um, If they win that game, they'll play either Western Kentucky or Bowling Green. Western Kentucky is, um, according to Ken Palm, and these are all Ken Palm rankings, uh, Western Kentucky's 84, Bowling Green's 103. On the other side of the bracket, you've got Valpo, 192 playing Grand Canyon 143 Nevada is 120 and they will be playing Fordham to give you guys some perspective of what you see is in the Ken Palm rankings you see is currently ranked 23rd they are ahead of Xavier by the way who Xavier's ranked 29th I always like to put that out there uh, but what do we make of this tournament well um, it's very very fair and easy to the first simple thing is to say well there's no reason why we don't win the whole thing yes um, it would be an absolute disappointment if we lose any of these games Um, unfortunately and I don't know who made up these brackets but to put us in the same kind of section or bottom part of the bracket against Western Kentucky sort of sucks Um, I do wish that Western Kentucky was on the top side and we play Western Kentucky in the championship but it looks like the championship match most likely will be in that semifinals um I do see Western Kentucky beating Bowling Green, us winning. If you want to kind of just a quick analysis, I think Nevada does beat Fordham. Um, I think Grand Canyon beats Valpo. And then, I mean, toss up. I, I honestly think Grand Canyon can knock off Nevada, and then we play Grand Canyon in the championship. But Or we play Nevada. Um, they do have Steve Alford, who's you know pretty good coach, knows what he's doing. Um so again, what do we make of this? Um, a few things I want to see. I, I want to see that continuous tenacity on defense, which we've talked about for the last few weeks. Uh, I think this team um, needs to keep the ball rolling and not have any sort of um, holdups from being off for a while. Um, I want to see um, shots dropped. I know, as I said, uh, if you've listened to previous podcasts, those open shots we had at OSU, open shots against Drake and against Alabama A&M, they will continuously be there because that's the way this offense is supposed to run. Um, and so it's not a matter of if we're going to get open looks, it's, it's a matter if we make them. Uh, the last thing we need to see is the big JC, baby, Jaron Cumberland. 
I want him to get back on track. I want him to feel as though this offense, although is a little bit more open, a little bit more spread out, and not so much ISO for him, this offense is ultimately going to be designed for him to dominate, to show us that he is, again, player, defending player of the year, current player of the year for the AAC. And I think it's time for him to step up, shape up, and let's get after it. Um, I'd love to see Jaron be, I don't even know if they honor this, but you know, tournament player of the year. It'd be a great way to come home uh, before we have a real gauntlet of, of teams uh, moving forward with Tennessee, um, Xavier, um, and then uh, even Iowa, uh, Colgate, I mean, geez, Vermont. There's a ton of great games to happen after they get back. So I think this is a really good tune-up for that stretch. Having said this, I'm going to give a little bit of a bold prediction. I don't see us winning any game by less than 15 points. I think that's a very reasonable thing to say. I know it's a sort of hot take. Maybe it's a lukewarm take. Uh, maybe it's 10 points. But there's no reason why there's we don't dominate every single opponent here. If we want to be a team that moves into the second, third weekends of March, these are the type of teams that you you win and you win convincingly. Now, am I giving a pass if there's a close game on one of these? Sure, absolutely. Just dominate, win, and move on to the next round. Um, but I don't want to have three nail-biter games. Um, I don't want to see that at all. Uh, would it be better for the team in the long run? Maybe. Uh, but I think we're going to have plenty of close games after we get back from St. Thomas. So let's just uh, hope the Bearcats can come out and dominate and um, win by 45 points every single game. Uh, we'll see what happens. But again, my prediction, uh, UC wins by more than 15 on every single game. Let's hope that rings true. Moving on to women's basketball. Women's had a bounce back after the tough loss against Ohio State, beating Ball State and Tennessee Chattanooga. Uh, I think it's just Chattanooga. But uh, yeah, it had two convincing wins, and now they are on a little break before they go down to Puerto Rico for the Puerto Rico Classico, uh, where they'll face uh, University of Iowa and Bucknell. I'm not quite sure who's all in that tournament, but it does look like they'll have some um, good opponents. It would be great for both squads to come back from traveling um, down south and uh, with two trophies for whatever it entails. But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what this women's team can do. Then they come back to their own gauntlet of teams, uh, VCU, Miami, and then Xavier uh, so let's hope the women can have a really good showing and uh, root on the Lady Bearcats. I believe you can watch most of those games on Bearcat TV if you're unable to make it down to Fifth Third Arena. Finally, a huge congratulations to the women's volleyball team. They wound up, uh, wound up winning the American Athletic Conference regular season championship. And, uh, I mean, what else can you say? You know, you've got... Considered to be one of the, well, I would say considered to be the greatest women's volleyball player for UC history. Um, considered to be one of the all-time greatest uh, NCAA Division One volleyball players. And I would say considered to be one of the greatest Cincinnati athletes of all time in Jordan Thompson uh, ending her her career um, from the regular season perspective here at UC. So they move on to the AAC conference tournament. Let's hope they do really, really well there. Um, you know, when you've got one of the greatest athletes of all time, uh, women's volleyball players of all time playing, 
and a reason why you don't go through that gauntlet and, and win the tournament. So I uh, hope they can uh, pull that out and then have a really good showing in the NCAA tournament for volleyball. Really pulling for the girls and happy to see Jordan have a tremendous uh, year. Obviously, she was the AC Player of the Year, and that is the third time she's done that. So just tremendous records, and congratulations to the team as a whole. Very excited to see what happens moving forward. But let's move on to the main event. Saturday, 7 p.m., nip at night. It's a blackout. It's time to honor these seniors. We're ranked 17th in the country. We are one game away from clinching the American East and go to the American Athletic Conference Championship and maybe play Memphis for a second time or SMU or Navy. There's so much to go into it. But, folks, it's time for it's time for my internal Stephen A. Smith to come out. It's time for me to finally let loose a little give my honest, true opinions. Not that I have in the last few weeks. And I try to be a little bit more positive. You know, I'm new to the podcast. I don't want people to hate me. But we got to talk about this football team. Now, there's two sides of the fence from what I've seen online, on message boards, on articles for this team. One side is, hey, you know, football's hard. You know, traveling's hard. College football's difficult. You find a way to win every single game and you move on. Every week's a new week. And then I've seen other sides. And this one's a little bit in the minority. And I feel like I'm on more of this side. Where I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous about this week. I'm extremely nervous about next week. I'm very, very nervous about the championship. And God forbid, if we're playing the way we played against South Florida and we win those three games somehow and we go on a national stage and we play that way and give up or score zero points in the first quarter like we did in South Florida against a powerhouse like a Georgia, a Notre Dame, an Oklahoma, a Utah that's going to be Florida Sugar Bowl 2009 all over again. This team has got to wake up. We had a little bit of glimpse of hope against UConn, and, but it's UConn, folks. I mean, they're one of the worst programs, worst teams in the country. And I don't know where to start. I don't know whose fault it is. I'm not saying there's any fault to be given, but... I expected at the end of this, I expected the beginning of this year, if where I'm sitting at the last two games of the season, would I be saying, I don't know if I trust my quarterback making the throw longer than 15 yards? Nope, I don't think I'd be saying that. Would I be saying, I don't know if I trust my defense to stop someone when they need to, um, you know, in the middle of the fourth quarter? Now, I, I don't think I would be saying that either. I, I know that we we somehow stopped ECU, and we did stop South Florida in that fourth quarter. Something changed. I don't know what Fickle did against South Florida, but, but the quarter changed. But all I know is that South Florida missed four 
field goals. Four field goals in that game. You don't have to be a math genius to know that if they just made two more, they don't even have to make all four. They can make 50% of the field goals they missed, and we lose that game. We somehow, after a miraculous pick six, and my co-host Mike said it was a quote-unquote program-saving interception. I don't know if I would go that far. It was definitely a game-saving. I mean, you could clearly say it was a season-saving interception pick six against ECU. But we don't have that gimmicky, crazy play. We don't beat ECU. Something's got to change. Or we are not going to go to the place we think we're going to go and represent this university on the big stage in Dallas for the Cotton Bowl. So what can change? Well, I wouldn't change the running game. Warren's looked great. Dokes has looked great. Our offensive line has been pretty good. So, so that's not the problem. So let's talk about the quarterback and the wide receivers issues. Now, I've heard that from some of the articles and some of the reports that, hey, you know, our DBs, our, the South Florida's DBs was really covering the wide receivers pretty well. And, you know, they, they, threw, them, they threw some things at, at Ritter that he wasn't expecting. Folks, this is South Florida. They really weren't known to have the best defense. You don't think Memphis or Temple are going to throw a little bit more at us? I do. And I've also heard that, yeah, those DBs in those corners were throwing some good shade out there, but a lot of wide receivers were also wide open that Ritter just did not see. It's probably a good time for me to also say, hey, I'm not a football guy. I mean, I love the sport, but I never played football. I played my sixth grade year and my eighth grade year. My sixth grade year, I broke my left arm. My eighth grade year, I broke my right arm. And kind of realized then that football was not for me. But something's got to change. This D has to step up. They can't let a Memphis or a Temple, really, or an SMU in the championship just throw all over us and have free reign on whatever they want to do. Let's talk about Temple real quick and talk about the team. First year, Rod Carey. They've had a unique season. They've had some good wins. They've had some weird losses. They did upset Memphis on a pretty weird ending. I know it was kind of controversial. It was right before the Houston game, if I'm not mistaken. And um, there was like a, a play, I guess a catch, that was sort of controversial, and a, apparently Memphis player got it. I'm not quite sure. But they do have an excellent quarterback, and Anthony Russo, I believe is his last name. And then they've got two really good RBs, kind of the two-headed horse and Davis and Gardner. Um, this team is not going to be a team where if they, they will fold in the end like uh, former opponents have been this year. Temple, then they they uh, smell blood in the water. It's over. Just take a look at what happened last year in Philadelphia. In the end, I do think this team can prevail, will prevail at home, on a on a 
sold out senior night. I mean, I just I'm immediately with our home field advantage, that gives us an extra three or four points right there. It's just, I love. And let's also not forget that we do need to talk about the seniors. It is senior night. And I do want to do a quick highlight on just some of the players. I know I'm not going to hit all the seniors, but just some that kind of made a big impact on this year, certain parts of the certain games that you know, I want to kind of thank them for and talk a little bit about. Let's start with Perry Young linebacker um you know the big thing i remember is is the interception against houston at the very end of that game he came that was the where the ball was batted up and he wound up snagging it and running it in to kind of clinch it so huge uh huge play and a big time uh big time moment there for uc to to beat houston next player to talk about is brian wright linebacker you know brian has made a huge impact he hasn't for me, the kind of the big thing I remember is against UCLA in 2018. He kind of came out of nowhere, um, had four or five tackles that game, and just was like, "Oh, this guy, we're ready to roll." And that's kind of that. Obviously, if you guys remember, that was the game where you know we're like, "This defense is pretty good." Two years later, you know, I would I would still say they are. Uh, and then also Cam Jeffries. Um, you know, Cam had um, a huge, huge momentum play. And it wasn't at the end of the game. It was at the beginning of the game. And that was against South or Central Florida. The beginning of that game, Central Florida's driving down the field. They're already up 3 nothing. They're moving extremely fast. I believe they're on, like, UC's, like, 9 or 10-yard line. I'm not quite sure. But interception by Jeffries completely changes the game from the early path that it was heading to obviously wound up being a W, but um, it had a big INT, multiple yard return. I, I think it was something like an 80, not an 80 yard, but maybe even 65 to 70 yard return. Just completely flipped the script, flipped the uh, plane, uh, the, the field. Um, so it was great. So what a great memory there. Also talk about uh, Richard uh, Midaris. I've always struggled with his name, and these next two players have always struggled with their names. Um, but Rashad uh, Medaris, uh, wide receiver, um, had a big 75-yard touchdown against Houston, going back to the Houston game. In that game, he completely snuck behind that 75-yard touchdown pass. If you watch the highlights, completely snuck behind the DBs and the corners. Uh, was wide open for a nice little almost like chip shot pass from Ritter. He just had to just basically get it right over the defense, and uh, it was off the races at that point. And that was kind of a Deshaun Jackson sort of game um, for Medeiros. He had uh, three for 21, which is pretty good, uh, pretty good ratio of catches for yards. Um, and then um, also want to talk about Thomas um, Gaddis. Gaddis, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, wide receiver um, had the TD pass. It was like a 51-yard TD pass against Miami Oxford um, in the this year. 51-yard um, pass. And what was cool about that for me personally is that touchdown pass was right in the corner, right in front of us. Um, and um, that was our first home game. We weren't able to go to the UCLA game. I was uh, in Dallas for business, and so um, just really cool. Um, and I always remember him for that. So. Uh, you know, cannot forget, uh, the kicker, Sam Crosa, um, Corsa. I, I'm so bad with names. Even when I hear him all the time, 
just repeating them out loud. I'm terrible. But uh, obviously, two memories um, against ECU in South Florida. So thank you for the big kicks. And then obviously the big boy, DeGrara. Man, we're going to miss this guy. And our tight end. Um, you know, I hope that uh, he has a really, and I think he will have a really good year, or a really good uh, career, I should say, in the NFL. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of things where teams are saying, ah, he could be a fullback or Hey, you know, it depends on, on what, you know, even though it's not really fullbacks anymore, but he could be that sort of style, but he also could just be a hell of a tight end for a team. You know, um, there's a lot of those athletic tight ends anymore and he's one of them. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm excited to see where a team he goes on to and, and see where he goes. So thank you seniors. We really appreciate it. And, uh, looking forward to wishing you all well and on to the next part of your careers. But to go back to the, my final points, it's time for this team to wake up. It's time for this team to put all the pieces together. I've said it every single podcast. Maybe this is the week that we put everything together. Maybe this is the week that we put everything together. And again, I go back to the UConn game. That does not count. It's UConn. The positives are if we put everything together, this team is unstoppable. This team can win the big games. Ohio State was a fluke. Ohio State is excellent. Ohio State, I believe, is the best team in the country. This breaks my heart to say. But we can easily beat Temple. We can easily beat Memphis with our talent. We could easily beat whoever we face in the American Athletic Championship. And then who knows what happens in the Cotton Bowl. Do I think that we are going to do it? I don't know. I really hope I'm wrong. But damn it, I do love Luke Fickle. And I love this team. And I love being a UC alum. And I'm going to wear my C. Paul very, very proud all weekend. And I want you to as well. Let's go Ritter. Let's go all the running backs, all the wide receivers, all the lines, all the tight ends, all the defensive lines, the linebackers, the cornerbacks, the DBs, the special teams. Let's go Luke Fickle. And let's go Bearcats, baby. Thank you all for listening and letting me vent a little bit. I take it from another Bearcats podcast that sometimes you need to have therapy sessions. And this was kind of my therapy session. I feel good getting it all out and getting it out in the open. If you think differently, come at me. Talk to me. I'm on Twitter at Scooter Booms. I know that this team has the talent to be so great. And I want to hear what you have to say. So again, follow me on Twitter at Scooter Booms. Follow Down the Drive at Down the Drive on Instagram as well. Let us know your thoughts, and I'm looking forward to talking about victories all throughout the southern part of the Virgin Islands, I think that's where St. Thomas is, and a big old victory in the heart of Cincinnati at Nippert on Saturday. Thank you all, and go Bearcats.